WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. I'm so glad you're joining us for this live episode of Street Soldiers and the many ways our lives and our country are changing right now. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers and catch up on all of our episodes on LisaEvers.com and iTunes. Now, before 2020, this Sunday was reserved for the National Puerto Rican Day Parade, which would bring sights, sounds, and tons of positive energy, one of my favorites, uh, to the city in its celebration of Puerto Rican pride and culture, but not this year. All parades have been canceled in New York City due to the coronavirus through at least the 1st of July. Uh, but we're not going to let that stop us. Coming up at 2 p.m. here on Hot 97, DJ Enough will be bringing us some of the musical flavor and vibes as only he can. And uh, we're going to be talking about this later on on Instagram. I'll give you the info on that at the end of the show. In this episode, we're going to turn our attention to the nonstop big events that continue to happen in our lives with dizzying speed. The good news is hundreds of thousands of peaceful protesters who filled our streets. The good news is that they're getting results, real results from local governments to the state house and Congress. It's like politicians can't move fast enough to show that they're responding to demands to reform policing in America, even as incidents happen like what we saw in Atlanta over the weekend. On Friday, Governor Cuomo signed a major police reform package. Criminal defense attorney Philip Hamilton is going to unpack it for us and explain what it will really mean on the streets. The governor is giving uh, the 500 or so police departments in New York State until April 1st to basically revamp themselves and come up. So um, right now, as more and more cities are relaxing restrictions and opening up. We're going to talk about where we're at with the COVID-19 pandemic and if uh, enough precautions are in place. There was a bar in the East Village that was open. Uh, Governor, uh, They were told to close. They didn't close. They kept open again. And uh, Governor Cuomo said, don't make me come down there. So uh, a lot of people are fed up with the restrictions. They want things to open. And they feel like it is, you know, it's time. It's 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 time to get things back to normal or back to, you know, at least being open so people can enjoy life. Joining us now is Dr. Manny Fambu. He's a medical doctor with an MBA, a surgeon and a best-selling author of the book, The Future of Healthcare. Um, Dr. Manny, first, in terms of the, the protests, because we talked about it. A lot of people talked about it. There were big concerns that these protests there was going to be there were going to be huge spikes of coronavirus afterwards. What's your take on that? My, my take on it is um, I think the protests, of, of course, were very necessary. People had to do it, right? Um, but I, I um, was quite uh, impressed just watching on TV, seeing how people took uh, best care of themselves, right? Put on face mask. The biggest challenge there um, around was when people use tear gas, for example, right? And uh, there's a concern around that because when you have tear gas, People then tend to take off the mask and they have to cough, right? Because you have you have to breathe. You can breathe, right? And so coughing only makes the droplets travel further away and probably makes the, the situation worse. Um, so, but overall, I think uh, if people followed, um, you know, the close guidelines, washing your hands, covering your nose, uh, then hopefully we don't see a spike in that, right? So we get, we're getting to that point where we are within a two-week mark. And uh, everyone that attended the protest is being encouraged to get tested. And so we'll see what happens in this particular case. But does it help that a lot of the people that were protesting are not in those demographics 
They, they tend to be younger people, tend to be healthier people. Correct. This has been a, a young people's revolution, right? And we've been watching that, right? For every single background, people have been out there supporting each other, uh, following guidelines in general. So, yeah, so in terms of uh, people b being sick, uh, we haven't seen hospitals being flooded, I mean, at least in New York, right? We haven't, we haven't seen that. But we hope that it, it stays that way. But if you look at other states around the country, I don't think it's related to the protests, but you've seen the spikes like in Florida, for example, right? Um, in Arizona, you see those numbers going up in those states that did not take this seriously. But I think in New York, we've been used to, you know, dealing with this for, for some time. So people in general were very proactive and put on masks and uh, gloves. In terms of in terms of the reopening, because I've been out to you know different stores, different places. A lot of the a lot of the businesses, a lot of the stores, they have the plexiglass shield for the cashier. They have um, other things where you scan your own items and then you know you put them. You scan your own items and then you you know hopefully use Apple Pay or you know the the payment method is outside of where the cash register area is. What do you think about how the reopening is being handled here in New York City? I think we're adapting um, over time, uh, even coming to the studio today, right? I mean, talking to security guard, he, he, there's a whole glass <laughs> partition now, right? That wasn't there right. before. Uh, if you get in the elevators, you see like separate locations where you should stand, right? Um, offices in general are, are, you know, are spreading the distances between people. So I, I think we're adapting and we're taking it seriously. Uh, the concern here is in areas where people don't take it seriously, and that's where the concern is. But in terms of the, and let me give out the phone number, uh, 1-800-223-9797. We're going to talk about the police and the, uh, some of these reforms and what's going on with that in a couple of minutes. I'll take your calls about that too, because there was a lot of news on police reform, uh, this week. Big shout out to Fat Joe. I did his Instagram live, um, after on the, the night that he had Chuck Dion. So that was great. And uh, we were talking about that there, but we'll talk about it here on Hot 97 Street Soldiers at 1-800-223-9797. If you have questions about coronavirus, you have questions about um, health issues, then give us a call, 1-800-223-9797. Uh, Dr. Manny is, 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 is here with us. Dr. Manny, but the other, are, are you concerned at all? Because, I mean, it's one thing like when you're doing errands and you're running around from store to store or picking up this and, and picking up that. It's a different thing when people start to socialize. There was the bar in the East Village where they were told to close. They reopened. Now the governor says he's coming down there. Uh, don't make me come down there. You need to really abide by these laws, which they have laws. You know, they can take their liquor license. They can start cracking down. But we know right now the NYPD does not want to be doing that kind of uh, that, that kind of enforcement. Do you think the net and the natural tendency of people is to be social? I mean, it's inevitable that sooner or later people are going to start, you know, being a lot close in, in a lot much closer quarters, whether it's for parties, whether it's for some of these delayed graduations, all these things that we typically do in the summer. Correct. So there is a perception uh, that the numbers um, in New York are going down and that we are, we are over the first wave. But nationally, there's, there's no second wave conversation. Nationally, there's been one wave, <laughs> right? the same wave. We've still had about, um, you know, a plateau, about 20,000 cases and 1,000 deaths every single day still in the country. I know personally of, of, of friends of people I know that were outside the city. Uh, initially, when we started, they went to, you know, North Carolina, Georgia, these places, and they were fine, staying with mom and dad. But what happens now is they've been there for too long, so they come back to the apartments, right? Um, and coming back into the city, they come back with the same attitude they had outside of the city, <laughs> right? So they're coming in, and now they're socializing, and then they think, oh, now New York is done, now the other places are there, I'm not there anymore. And that's exactly the problem. If we keep doing that, the numbers will go back up. 
and in term in terms of these gatherings and things like that because it's very hard when you're at a social gathering first of all to wear a mask feels weird and then you're like talking to people that you've known for a long time you know and you're ta- you're socially distancing from them it's just weird correct and the mask has also become a political issue too right that's not a big challenge now you have people put on masks for ch- not wearing masks because they want to prove a point <laughs> right so there's, there's that underlying debate um, going on when we have some leaders refusing to put on masks right or challenging people and so people then tend to look at it and then say hey why like for example you know the president's having a, a you know a political rally <laughs> right coming up and people are not going to be you know apart from each other and so the idea is educating thing we know how we've got the numbers where we are today because we follow these rules that's right. that's why in new york we're able to cut our numbers in new zealand uh, a country for example what they follow these rules now they have zero cases right and so they're looking about reopening back in general so if we follow these rules, we know it works. So we've done too much to get to this point, and there's no reason why we to should throw it all away over one weekend and Please. have to go back to quarantine, which I don't think people are going to do. Correct, and that's a scary part of this. And which means, if we don't go back into quarantine and we ignore this, what will basically happen? We ask, we accepting the fact that hundreds of thousands of Americans are going to die. Those are the vulnerable, and we think it's okay. What do you think about uh, some of the healthcare workers? And doctors around the country have been speaking out about what they're calling what we've we've been talking about since the beginning with you, this racial disparity in medicine and availability to health care services. They're saying now racism is a health emergency in America. What do you think about that? Lisa, we've been talking about this for some time, right? And, and I, I think... But more and more people are talking about it, too. Because it's been a reality that no one talked about, right? Before it was the idea of your minority and you're just poor, and the reason why, you, uh, you know, you, you come in a health system and you don't get the best care is because you couldn't afford it or your insurance couldn't afford it, which is systematic racism, right? So people are saying this. Why is it okay because someone has a certain socioeconomic uh, status and they come in and they have a complete different outcomes and treatment than someone that's poor and from a minority background? These things happen. The perception, even even in New York City, in Mount Sinai, there was a study that came out that if a woman shows up, even giving birth, right? And if, if a black woman complain of pain, yeah, doctors perceive they completely different than if a white woman came in and had the same level of pain. So these things have existed for a long period of time. The death rates, um, you know, from COVID-19 within certain neighborhoods that, that we've talked about in the past, you know, reflect exactly what is happening in healthcare. And so this is a silent killer that no one sees. You can capture this on video, right? But it's a reality. And it happens over time. So it's like these environmental things. They're very, can be very damaging, but they happen slowly over time so you don't really notice them correct with chronic conditions because it happens over time people tend to just ignore them right so if you have something like diabetes so you have asthma you have a heart failure what happens over time is people well i just deal with it right i'll just i'll just cut down my sugar i'll do something else and so people don't look at the overall impact of this on your health care and that's the biggest uh, uh reason why the average life expectancy in minorities is actually lower because of these kind of factors that we need to address and then when you add in the mental health piece the mental health picture, which is, is, is very stressful in communities of color. And then you're, you've said, you've told us before, the mental health piece really does affect your physical health as well. Now, correct. And uh, I, I saw you uh, on Instagram uh, yesterday. You shared, on, you shared a graph yesterday on Instagram, on your Instagram life, Lisa. And uh, just looking at that, if you look at even before um, COVID-19, even before the recent uproar, right, on the streets, Mental health has been something that has been that is huge among among uh, African Americans and people and uh, and brown people, right? I mean that's something that we've known, 
And the, the worst part is the reimbursement rates and access to care for those people, for someone to actually manage them. You have enough funds there, right? You have enough funds to take care of this. But then add into this now the fact that you have people being killed on TV on a daily basis. So imagine being... The trauma. Correct, the trauma of that, right? I mean, literally you get out every single day and one instant interaction with a Plus police officer... Plus our children too. Correct. And so you have cop, kids going around. So think about it when you were a kid or I was a kid as well, uh, when you had like a toy gun and you could play with it, right? Today, any kid of any black or brown kid with a toy gun, you could be shot. Right. Any black or brown kid with a wallet could be shot. Because it looks like, like to a me gun. Right, right. Correct. Meanwhile, other people are allowed to carry massive guns to have AR-15s, and it's okay. So that's the reality they live in. So you're walking around terrified every single day, and that is traumatized on its own. And then that create that creates the the mental stress, the, the depression, anxiety, definitely anxiety, and those things translate into what kind of illnesses? So just kind of stress, for example, leads to people having high blood pressure, right? Which leads to stroke, which leads to stress that leads to diabetes, right? Just a normal stress factor. So this, and these are things that are leading causes of death um, in a country right now. Just look at it as a case control kind of uh, model, right? Um, the study you shared with me yesterday was the Washington Post article where you look at the stress levels, uh, mental health increases in, in Asians as well. Right. Before that, like last year, for example, we look, it comes to mental health and depression specifically. Asian Americans were about just 3% of that number. That number has significantly increased uh, with COVID-19 because, as you know, COVID-19 has been called multiple times by the president as the, the Chinese disease, right? right. And, and so a lot of Asians have faced uh, racial discrimination in the country. And look at the stress levels that, that happened to them. That they've had because Correct. of that. And look at depression levels. So take that and put yourself as a black person or a brown person in this country that has been living with that for the last 400 years, right? How, how, how does that reflect on you? So that's a great way to look at it. Definitely. 1-800-223-9797. Uh, let's take one question, then we're going to get to Attorney Philip Hamilton in just a moment. Dennis, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Oh, good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm very glad everybody is okay. I have a question. Uh, let's say I have a mask and I went to the store. I have one uh, more person in the household. When I come back to, to the store, is it recommended to continue to wear a mask throughout the time that I'm in the household with another person? Dr. Manny, what about that? If you wear your mask and you, and you leave the store? What? Like when you go home. Correct. Do you, should you leave the mask on or take the mask off when you get get home? No, wait, get home. I, I mean, if there's other people in the in the household. It, the, the point of uh, wearing a mask outside is you don't breathe in someone else's um, uh, stuff, and, you and you're, they're not breathing your stuff. They're not breathing your stuff. But if you're home and everyone has been home and you're back home, just take off your mask and uh, wash your hands, and you should be fine. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. We're going to talk about police reform with attorney philip hamilton he's going to break down these new laws a lot happened this week and uh progress is being made we'll be right back this is hot 97 street soldiers hosted by lisa evers welcome back to street soldiers i'm your host lisa evers dr manny is with us here in the studio he's a medical doctor with an mba and a surgeon and best-selling author of the book the future of health care and uh... this week there was a lot of progress in new legislation designed to hold police officers who cross the line and use excessive or deadly force accountable for their actions governor cuomo signed into law the garner bill which bans chokeholds and other legislation let's find out now more about what it really means with former bronx defender and criminal defense attorney uh... philip hamilton Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Lisa, thank you for having me as always. No, How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. We appreciate you being with us. 
No, definitely, definitely, anytime. Uh, so, Phil, the um, this seems like a very major step because I've been talking about this all week on social media. I've been talking about it. People are like, Lisa, do you think things are really going to change? And, Phil, I, I don't think I've ever seen laws get written, passed, and action taken legislatively this fast ever. I'm just as mind-blown as you because <laughs> the reason... I mean, seriously, the reason why the legislation was able to pass so quickly is because they didn't have to draft it up in the middle of the night or during the, you know, uh, events of last week. It's been sitting on the table. This legislation has been written basically almost at this point for years. It's just been sat on. Nothing's happened with it. You know, whenever the Senate was of a different makeup, you know, a few years ago, when especially here in New York, whenever we had, you know, just primarily Republicans that were running the Senate, the bill couldn't even get the light of day. But a lot of things have changed since then. We had, you know, a political turnaround uh, up in Albany in terms of the Democrats taking control back in uh, 2018. And not just Democrats, but progressive uh, Democrats, particularly here from the city, who, you know, went up there emboldened. And it was just a matter, unfortunately, of time. I, I hate that Mr. Floyd's life had to be the catalyst for, I think, what should have already been done years ago. But let's just be frank. It was. And, you know, now to the extent that it happened and change is being demanded and people all over the world are demanding this change, at a minimum, it allowed this legislation that had already been written and already ready to go to come onto the floor, you know, to get the, the, the vote. And ultimately, Governor Cuomo signed it on uh, Friday. That really uh, that explains it, because it, it seems like these are issues that we have been hearing advocates and activists talking about for a very, very long time. So in terms in terms of the bill itself, there's the Eric Garner bill, which bans the chokehold. But the chokehold wasn't the chokehold banned by the NYPD at the time that it was used on Eric Garner. Correct. The chokehold had been banned, I want to say, for over a decade uh, by the time that it was used on Eric Garner. From a departmental standpoint, the NYPD had banned it. However, it wasn't against the law. And so now, uh, as is my understanding, at least from my, what I could see of the penalties for the law, it looks like now it's going to be a Class C felony um, if an officer engages in a chokehold and you have a situation where people are losing consciousness and or their life. Uh, it looks like, you know, you could face up to 15 years in prison as an officer. So that wasn't on the table in terms of there being a specific criminal charge for this. Um, and, and, and so that's that's big. I mean, in terms of accountability, you know what I mean? Right. In, ter- in terms of them and in, in terms of prosecutors having different uh, different tools. Governor Cuomo was quoted, uh, quoted too over the weekend yesterday saying, listen, the protesters won. Uh, he goes, the protesters won. Face it. I want reforms. I want on my desk by April 1st uh, what you're going to do to change a police department. Now, what difference would this have made in the Eric Garner case from 2014 with ex-NYPD officer Daniel Pantaleo, where he faced no criminal charges and where the it took really the family fighting for years and years and years just to put pressure on the NYPD to get a departmental trial. The feds backed out. They didn't do anything. Uh, what difference would it have made in the Eric Garner case? I mean, I, I look at it like this. You know, part of the reforms that Governor Cuomo signed on Friday included a repeal of Civil Rights Law 50A. And to the extent people have been hearing about 50A, what it was in some in substance was a law that shielded the personnel records of 
NYPD officers, amongst some other, you know, city agencies, FDNY, corrections. Uh, but what was happening was that if you had officers who were, uh, you know, found to have allegations that were substantiated of misconduct or of excessive force, uh, be it by the CCRB or be it interdepartmentally, you would have these situations where, okay, you'd have these findings. Maybe they would lose some vacation time or, you know, some other kind of penalties that would attach, but nobody would ever know about it because they would be shielded by law. So the press couldn't know. People couldn't scrutinize each individual officer's record to figure out what exactly was their past and to potentially put pressure on the department and or the city to either get rid of the officer uh, or to discipline them in a more harsher way that would maybe lead to accountability. So with respect to, uh, you know, Eric Garner, you know, Daniel Pantaleo, the officer that, you know, put the chokehold on Mr. Garner that, you know, ultimately killed him, he had five prior substantiated allegations um, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe including, you know, excessive force and, uh, you know, just like issues that showed that this was kind of potentially going to be in the works, what happened with Mr. Garner. There was a history there. There was a track record. But because we all couldn't know that, because the press couldn't know that, he was able to just kind of sit around in secrecy until the ultimate event that led to the end of Mr. Garner's life. So it's like maybe if we would have known that, you know, well before it happened to Mr. Garner, maybe he could have been removed from the force. Maybe something could have happened that could have prevented that if we look at it from a preventative measure. But then in terms of an accountability measure, you know, that chokehold could have gotten him, you know, under these new reforms charged with a felony, you know, and, like and, right and, and essentially right off the bat, you know, and maybe that would have had some issues in terms of, you know, him collecting his pension. Like there, there could have just been things there that the penalties would have been, much higher than, you know, what ultimately happened. And remember, whenever the case was, you know, presented to the grand jury in Staten Island, hey, it would have been another charge that the Richmond County District Attorney's Office could have put before the grand jury. But since that charge of the chokehold ban didn't exist back then, you know, the, the, the prosecution was kind of tied in terms of the charges that it could present to the grand jury. All right, 1-800-223-9797. Attorney Philip Hamilton on the line talking with us about the... Uh, this major reform bill that was signed into law on Friday and also joining us in studio, Dr. Manny, with the coronavirus uh, questions and any health concerns. Phil, and then lastly, was there a uh, do you th- do you think a, we need to have a nationwide there ne- need to be some sort of nationwide policing standards? I mean, you look at what happened in Atlanta over the weekend. A guy falls mm-hmm. asleep at the drive through at the Wendy's. They the, they call the cops because he's not moving doesn't doesn't seem to be responding. He basically was uh, uh, suspected of a DUI, you know, just drunk, passed out, start you know, hungry or whatever. In the middle of a protest. In the middle of a protest, and then <laughs> that part I didn't know. In the middle of a protest. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, we, we had currently in the last several weeks, right? Oh, the, you mean in the, the middle yeah, of correct. this the, whole the thing? The entire country has been fighting over. Oh yeah, okay. Right. I, I don't think and, it's the right Atlanta's time had to a shoot. Couple, right, and Atlanta's had a couple incidents. They've right. had the two college girls that were, were uh, college women that were pulled out of the car. Phil, so, so so then the police chase him. They're chasing him, and then he apparently woke up very fast. They're chasing him, and then they end up shooting him in the back. From right. what we said, the Atlanta police commissioner resigned. But is there a need for policing tactics to be have more national standards? Do you think like this Justice and Policing Act where uh, some of the members of Congress want to have every officer with a body cam, every cop car with a dash cam? 
I mean, look, the Congressional Black Caucus, as you said, they introduced this legislation uh, last week, the Justice and Policing Act. And I mean, they would like to see exactly what you said. And, you know, me personally and professionally, I, I, I wouldn't mind it as well. I mean, there there needs to be more accountability not just across like these, you know, local municipalities deciding to make the laws themselves that may be a more liberal or liberal or progressive uh, jurisdictions. But, yeah, there needs to be a national standard in terms of specifically, you know, holding officers accountable. So, you know, to the extent that you have a national ban on chokeholds, to the extent that the federal government's money that they provide to a lot of these police departments is conditioned upon, you know, fairer, more just policing, you know, more accountable policing you know, situations where we're not going to have the chokeholds. And more specifically, you know, the, the best part, I think, of the act that the uh, Congressional Black Caucus introduced is basically doing away with the standard of qualified immunity, which, you know, when you're litigating against a city or police officer for some kind of constitutional deprivation or wrongful act that they committed, it's very difficult, Lisa, to to recover any monetary damages because the shields that the courts have put upon these officers is so high to prove that there was actually a constitutional deprivation that at the end of the day, it leaves a lot of these officers, especially the bad ones, to be able to do whatever it is that they want with impunity. They're not going to have to worry, you know, about anything happening to their job. They're never going to have to pay out in court damages because the courts are protecting them. So, you know, to kind of do away with that and just make the standard something that is not so high to prove a constitutional deprivation when it's obvious we can see on video that some of these things are happening, I think it can make life a lot better and a lot easier for, you know, all of us, the civilians who, you know, have to interact and deal with the police, particularly, you know, black civilians. And so, and you know, I would love to see it. And and also too for uh, for the police officers because it's this small minority and it's the fact that there's no account a lot a lack of accountability which is what many people have been complaining about and protesting about and then they make it hard on the ones that are trying to do their job and that are trying to protect the public and and, and help people out. Phil, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely, Lisa. Anytime. All right. Thank you so much. Um, that's Attorney Philip Hamilton, 1-800-223-9797, 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to, uh, let's go to JB right now. JB, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, Lisa Evers. I want to give you a big shout out because I've been listening to Hot 97 for a long time. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Definitely to you. Do you have First. A- Thank you. Do you have a question or a question or comment about coronavirus? Well, I want to do say I want to say the first thing I want to say is America got caught slipping, right? What I mean by that is that we we was aware of the coronavirus when when, when it hit China back in January because I was locked up on Rikers. I was watching the whole thing from Rikers. Donald Trump made a big mistake. He was supposed to. Instead of building the walls in Mexico to, to, to block all Mexicans from coming into the United States, he could have blocked all the whole borders, stop everybody from coming into the United States, period. Okay, that but J.B., let, let, me, let me ask you this. Since you, were on your, since you were on Rikers Island while this was going on, what was it? did you have what you needed to protect yourself? Did you have soap? Did you have hand sanitizers? Well, we definitely had a lot of soap, you know, Provided by the correctional officers on Rikers Island. 
All right, JB, thank you very much for the call. We really appreciate it. Dr. Manny, in, in terms of his point about being the warnings, the, the World Health Organization, uh, what's your, what grade would you give them? A, a to F. Z. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's been, um, like a lot of confusion. They haven't done much, um, you know, to, to help spreading the word, right? So I, at first of all, yes, I think, um, the world was caught sleeping on this. I, I think, uh, we kind of failed to understand that we live in a global world where people could jump on a plane and they could <laughs> bounce around the globe in a very easy manner, right? So yes, we missed that, but there's no point blaming, uh, that because it doesn't help us going forward. But even recently, where you had um, a spokesperson for WHO saying that uh, people that were not uh, infectious, right? So if you had, you, yeah, if, if you had, you exposed to the virus, but you didn't have any symptoms, that spread was rare, which makes absolutely no sense in, in, from the overall concept of it, right? So, But everybody was talking about that the, the so-called, what you could call the, t- taught us was the, asymptomatic you cannot have symptoms and still be spreading correct which is the whole point of this right i mean so people got sick not because everyone had symptoms and were coughing on people right so we do know that uh, if you're asymptomatic and you have the virus of course you can spread it because you just the virus is alive what the virus is not alive because you got sick from it <laughs> right so it, it doesn't make sense i mean you, if you had a flu in general you could pass the flu to someone by someone touch it doesn't you don't have to be actively sick with the flu and have high fever before you got someone else sick so i think that was that was like a misguidance on your part and they, they quickly corrected that but so by i think having that one universal voice and and communicating this and making sure everyone is um, open to what's happening around the world i think will go a long way so i think there's uh, a lot more that the who could do what do you think in terms of the, uh, what do you think in terms, cause we're already talking about, you know, they canceled these sleep away summer camps this summer, which, which a lot of kids too, there were programs too for a lot of our city kids to, to go to. In terms of the school year starting, what do you think about the school year starting? Is it going to be safe for school children? Do you think they need to really hold off until January? I mean, what's your take on that? In, in the long term, and I know I've seen schools, um, you know, people making plans for what happens in, in August, September. I actually have a buddy of mine getting married and he said, oh, August is the right time, right? August 1st. I mean, these things are just imaginary things, right? You just make up stuff to, to hope what happens. Because so far as there's one person that has, um, you know, coronavirus, even, a, you, know, you know, just one person in the world, then that there's a potential that everyone could get sick, right? So just because we might have decrease in cases in New York, if we lower our standards, someone else could get, easily get sick. So we don't know what's going to happen in September when schools reopen, right? Or what happens during the camp. But... As you could tell, what's happening normally among people now, people are saying, hey, would I get back to normal? Which means those we survive all of the fittest, <laughs> right? Those that die, die, and then those that live, live. That's the kind of direction I think uh, we, we, we're going in because we all know that nothing will change unless we have a vaccine. That's the reality of it. That's the rea- and, and also, too, I can't see people, not that I'm advocating defying the, the, the shutdown, but I don't see people now, especially in summertime. We were kind of lucky in a way during the shutdown. We had, we had like a couple, two months there of really bad weather, gray skies, rainy, cold, you know, really kind of ugly spring. I, I can't see people now, you know, staying in the house. And when when we had winters, if you look in Florida, they had nice weather. That's why people were refusing to stay in. in right. <laughs> people were still going out. And so now it even gets worse. Um, but you, you see what's happening now. I mean, we'll be, I think if it gets warmer and we, we still have to be a social beings, right? So we still have to interact yeah. with people. I mean, I saw some friends and it's great to see them and have a conversation. Just being locked up in the house all day is difficult, um, you know, to imagine. I think at this point we know a lot more about the virus than we did 
six months ago, um, right? So I think we're in a much better situation. So knowing what we need to do and being cautious about that and being careful and maintaining uh, you know, uh, as much distance as possibly can, I think will go a long way. I, I, don't, I, I think we are more informed today uh, than we were in the past. So I, I think um, even if it comes back stronger, we could contain it. But at the same time, we, should need, we need to take uh, precautions. But there's, okay, what, let me uh, let everybody know. Phone lines are open, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. If you want to uh, comment on what's been happening with the protests, with the police reform, if you want to talk about coronavirus, the reopening, do you have reopening questions? Because some people are just ready to get out there and resume life and do everything that they want to do and just enjoy the summer, especially with this gorgeous weather that we're having right now. And then other people are just like, hey, uh, not, I'll go outside, but I, I don't really want to be around too many people. Puerto Rican Day Parade, which would have been today, uh, which one of my favorite events of New York, New York City every year to cover. Um, not, not happening. Salute to Israel Parade not happening. Pride March and Parade not happening. None of that. So uh, we're talking about all of it. Dr. Manny, in terms of the, because the, a lot of people are wearing masks, but I've noticed when it gets hot, the mask is, it feels like you got like a wet sweatshirt on your face. You mean the chin mask or they actually put the mask on, right? I, I <laughs> no, saw, actually put the mask on. Correct. I see a lot of people put on the mask and it, it hangs on their ear and then it goes under the chin. The, the chin, what, the chin, what you call or the ha- chin mask. The chin mask, right? Or, or, or it hangs in the ear. Yes, I, I think um, it's probably important to have a couple of masks. Uh, at this point, I think it's more available mask, right? So if one gets wet and soggy, you probably want to change it because if it gets wet, it's difficult to breathe. Uh, <laughs> it makes it harder to breathe, right, which becomes more difficult. So I think having a, a one or two masks that you, you could switch, I think that helps, um, makes it more comfortable. What about sweating? Do you, does coronavirus, you know, we talk about these moisture moisture droplets, People are sweating, people are outside running, people are outside doing sports, doing different things. Correct. So what what uh, research has shown at this point is that one, I mean, if you're outside and you're running or you're just moving around fast in, in a moving environment, your risk of uh, actually catching it um, is not that high. Uh, so there's a correlation between how much time you spend around someone or you spend in contact with a particular with a virus before you actually get infected, right? So the idea is around 15 minutes, then keep moving, right? So you want to keep so moving. So 15 minutes is about the... The time that it suggests, yes. If you're around in that close kind of environment, you want to move. So these kind of parties where you're in somebody's, you're, you're at a club or you're at a restaurant or you're at a, a bar and people are just packed shoulder to shoulder for a long time. In a close environment, it makes it worse too, right? So if you, if you talk about a nightclub, if you're talking about like an outdoor kind of event that's what we're talking about if you're right. in a close environment where you have poor air circulation then there's a higher risk right because it doesn't matter where you go <laughs> the same virus um, is being stuck in the air following you around right so that, that's a kind of concept so the idea is come in contact with people but it doesn't mean 15 minutes they have your watch counting right i mean the idea is don't stay too long <laughs> right, around right. people uh, which makes sense right the, the more contact you have and the more you're exposed the higher the risk of you getting uh, infected. All right, let's go to uh, Ayanna right now. Ayanna, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa Evers. Good morning. I wanted to say thank you to all the central workers. Thank you for still being on the air and giving out to the community. But I just wanted to voice my opinion because I have a six-year-old. She's actually going to be going to first grade coming September. I totally think they should not let the kids go back to school simply because they don't have a vaccine and these kids' immune systems are so low, they're prone to catch any type of disease or any type of bacteria or any type of cold 
very fast versus a, uh, an adult who has more antibodies or some type of strength to fight. Prior exposure, uh, correct. So you, you I, I, I don't believe they should let these kids go back. And even, you know, I was speaking with my mom because she's a retired teacher. I stated maybe they should have, like, dividers in the class, have five sets of kids each day, multiply that. That's the 20, 20 kids that they usually have in the roster. And do it like that. They have to come to some type of means to protect these kids, you know. And I work three jobs, and I haven't gone back to work just because I have no sitter, and I don't want to leave my daughter home by herself. You wow. Know? Uh, Ian, well, thank uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the support for the show. Thank you and me. And uh, you sound like an amazing mom. And um, hopefully they'll work that they'll get this vaccine so these kids can go back to school. It's got to be hard when it's your six year old and she's starting first grade. That's a big, that's a big milestone. And uh, working you know, three jobs and working three and you're, you work in three jobs too. So big shout out, shout out to you for being a great woman and a great mom. And thank you for listening to Hot 97. Dr. Manny, what about like if they had, let's say Monday, like she was talking, Ayanna was talking about 20 kids in a class, five days a week, you know, four or five kids one day, you know, another group of five kids the next day. I mean, it's be a logistic craziness. But what do you think about that idea? Well, the first question would be, is, is the tuition the same? <laughs> the taxes, right. No, correct. So, so, so it, I think that's the ideal way to do but it. It would right? be very expensive. But the idea becomes, will parents pay the same amount of money for tuition? I mean, if you're in a school or whatever, you have to Plus pay. Plus, it's a lot of extra work when you start separating and one kid, one, one little group is on this, another group is like that instead of the class. But it's ideal. You have to look at the cost-benefit uh, piece, right? But that's the best way to do it. But I agree, nothing has changed from when we started to now because we don't have a vaccine. So anything else is just a perception. It's, it's just perception <laughs> cleaning. All right, let's go to Erica right now. Erica, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Can you hear me? All right. How are you? Yes, we can Good. hear you. Um, I am actually a nurse, and I am against the vaccine. I, I don't know why people keep saying when the vaccine comes. Corona is too new. They don't know a lot about it. Personally, I don't want a vaccine, and I would not give my child a vaccine. I think the kids wearing masks, I, I really think is not as helpful as people think it is. The mask that people are wearing won't even protect you from the common cold. What do you if think they, about vaccines in general? I'm just curious. What, what are your thoughts around like the vaccine, like uh, polio vaccine or hepatitis vaccine? Or um, I declined as a nurse. I declined the hepatitis vaccine. I don't think they, if you look at the ingredients that they put in uh, these vaccines, um, I think that Vaccines are the reason why there's a lot of autism. Um, I don't want a, a vaccine of, of a disease that they don't even know enough about. All right. That's a great point. Let's get Erica. Thank you so much for your point, because a lot of people feel exactly the same way Erica does. Dr. Manny, how can you do a vaccine when you don't even know? And you've told us as you, medical school, there's no doctor now that's a practicing doctor that had coronavirus lectures in medical school or or any kind of experience there's not even a lot of like studies on it right like how can you make a vaccine when you don't even know what it is like we saw that second wave not second wave but we saw that uh you know the issue with children some children getting seriously ill you know weeks after family members many many cases weeks after family members had coronavirus but what do you say to that Correct. I mean, that's why I have the question. I mean, that there's, sev there's several camps. There's a camp of people that don't believe in vaccines in general. 
right? That's how I was trying to gauge uh, what area. So for COVID-19 specifically, so coronavirus as a family, yes, we've studied, right? You say one different kind of coronavirus. Like example, a cousin. Correct. So if you look at a herpes virus, for example, on chicken pox, they come from the same family of viruses. They're all herpes viruses, but it's different how you get it, right? So right, uh, you like you got herpes simplex, which is completely different from a chicken pox. That leads to, you know, you have shingles down the road, but it's the same family. Expressed differently. Okay. Right? So, so this particular kind of coronavirus comes from the same coronavirus family. It's just a different branch off of the coronavirus family. So we know about the virus for, for how it looks like, but we didn't know about this particular one how it spreads. Right? It's very fast, and how it, so it's a new kind of from that family, like a new kid, right? In a family. So with that being said, it takes years and years to develop vaccines in this particular case, right? But in this now in this situation. We have a lot of companies like, you know, fast tracking research around this. Yes, but I think it's very important for us to make sure that it is safe. That's why Dr. Fauci, for example, has been fighting for this, right? Let's not hurry up and say 12 months from now we're going to have a vaccine. 18 months from now we're going to have a vaccine. No, let's make sure the vaccine is safe. Just like every other vaccine has been tested to make sure it's safe before, before we use it. Rushing to use a vaccine initially would not be the best idea. And I think that's what people are concerned about. And how long does it, under normal circumstances, because you've been involved in drug development mm-hmm. and these types of things, under normal circumstances, is there an a- average or what's the average for how long it takes a vaccine? So the, the average time that you, it takes for you to actually run a clinical trial will take um, anywhere from, you know, a year, two years, three years. Um, in some cases like diabetes and heart failure trials, those trials take sometimes seven years. <laughs> right, so it takes a long wow. time. So it takes a long time based on the number of population, patients that you have. In this case, you have vaccines in the market. A lot of people are doing the studies. You have a lot of patients available because the hospitals are crowded. So you could recruit patients faster. You could test different things, right? And we have over 100 clinical trials going on. So there, there are many um, shots at the target, right? So because of that, we think that uh, everyone is giving their best shot. So the best case scenario is between 12 to 18 months if it works. But let's not rush it. And I agree with that. All right. 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Martelli right now. Martelli, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how are you doing, guys? All right. How are you? Uh, I, have a, I have a question for you now. A friend of mine had coronavirus about two weeks ago. He was tested by negative. And now oh, after that two weeks time, he, he ends up having it again. Now, the amount of testing that's taking place right now, I'm sure that a lot of people are getting coronavirus more than once. So, I mean, I thought that once you have antibodies, you're good to go. That's one question. And the second, if you allow it, is now with the, the way the vaccine works, it only keeps you from catching it. If you have coronavirus, will it do anything as far as helping you get rid of it? With a vaccine? Oh, okay, let's talk Let's talk first about the, the antibodies and getting it again. What about what Martelli's asking, Dr. Manny? He said the, the his son was negative, That then he... You know, had the antibodies, but then he still got coronavirus again. Correct. So we know there are false positive tests and false negative tests, right? That, I mean, that that is something that happens in, in general. That's why you need to actually do both, <laughs> right? Initially. So if you do an antigen test and you What's have... What's the antigen test? Is- antigen test means that it tests, sorry, the, the test is looking for the virus. Which okay, means, it means that do you have it or you don't have yeah, it? Yeah, do you, ha- do you have the virus active or, or you don't, Okay. right? And so if you look at it and you don't have it, that means that, yes, the virus is not, you don't, you're not carrying the virus. So it's like, think about your hands being dirty. If I, uh, you know, use to look at it to see, uh, do you have dirty hands, right? With, a mic- with bacteria on your hand or you don't, right? So that's, right. What, that's what it looks for. That's the antigen. It's looking specific for that. So if you're negative, it means that, okay, you're not currently active and you don't have the virus on you. 
the antibody test says you've been exposed to this in the past. Correct? Okay. So it's possible that you've been exposed in the past, and then you test negative for the antigen. That means that you don't have the virus now. You're not active. You can pass it on to someone else. Positive antibody means you can't get anyone else sick. But you've been exposed to it in the past. Okay. Okay. But what happens is you could, yes, you, you could not get anyone sick, but you could go down um, to the local store and then you, carry, you get, you, you get you come in contact with the virus again. You could catch it. Correct. But catch it doesn't mean you have symptoms. It doesn't mean you get sick. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh. This thing See, is so the, complicated. Then, all right. I'll make it simple. I'm very here. complicated. I'm very <laughs> I, I, confused. I, I'll, make it sim- I'll, I'll make it simple here, right? So, How do people know? Like, is there, a, is there a, such a point as an all clear? Like, is there a point? Because we were told, we were told another one of these things in this long list of things that we were told that turned out to be completely reversed. If you get coronavirus and then you test positive for the antibodies, highly unlikely, we were told by public health officials, that you would catch it again. That's what people want to know. Catching it again is two things. Catching it again with symptoms is one thing, right? Or catching it again means you can get someone else sick. It's a different thing. Right. Right. So so the question now to call it would be, do your son get sick a second time? That's the better question. Okay. Because you could still test positive for the antigen, but you might not have symptoms because you have antibodies already. All right. right. And then so so... Even if you have the antibodies, people should still keep using precautions. Correct. And not feel like they're invincible. Yes, you're, you're invincible from the understanding today from you getting sick, but it doesn't mean you can't get other people sick, <laughs> right? So if you were exposed in the past and you had antibodies, which I think a lot of us already do because we've probably been exposed, right. and you have antibodies, it does not mean that if I touch you know, a cup or I touch a doorknob that has a virus, I would test positive for the antigen. Right, because I have the antigen because I touched but it. But you won't get the virus. Correct. So that, that's the best understanding oh, now. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, but you, so the antibodies, you get sick. if you have the antibodies, it's a good thing. That's the idea now. Yes, correct. So that's the whole idea. It could change by tomorrow. It could cha- no, no yeah. the idea is how long does that last for, right? The, protect, right? the protection from that. How long does that last for? Or we don't that's know. So we don't know yet, right? Because, I mean, we've we only been around this for the last several months, right? So oh. we don't know. So we don't know if it lasts six months. Does it last a year? Does it last for, for, for a lifetime? We don't know. And, and that's the challenge here. Oof. Okay, let's go to uh, Milson right now. Milson, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, um, I was just calling and, um, a reference to the COVID and about the mental health piece. Um, it's definitely affecting a lot of people. It's affecting me, especially. I'm a single black um, mom. I have a 35-year-old son and a 24-year-old son. So with the things that's going on in America today, Along with the coronavirus, it's very, very um, stressful, mentally draining. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really quite talk about it, or don't know what to do, or embarrassed. And um, I, I like everybody always tell me stuff because like I'm bold, but at this point, it's like anxiety, depression, um, over being overwhelmed. Like, what do you do? Like, it's your and I tried 311, like calling those numbers, nobody gets back to you. And, you know, your health insurance, you're looking through the book for a psychotherapist. It's like, you can't find anything. Like, it's like, who do you talk to? Or what do you do to cope with that? Because it's, it's really, it's like, I mean, for me, it's like, um, like, I have a lot of bills to pay and well, all this stuff. It's like your body just shut down. So now, what are you going to tell your, you know, your credit card? Like, hey, I'm really you know, affected, blah, 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 which you should be able to. But, um, you know, I just didn't know if there's a number or somewhere you can zoom into to get. Okay. Um, um, Milson, I'm 
first of all, my heart goes out to you for what you're dealing with because, you know, shout out, shout out to you as a single mom and to all the single moms that are doing it and uh, taking taking care of their kids to so the single dads too that are doing it as well but um and then also the pressure of having having your sons in that age group in that group that's you know that we're seeing being being brutalized and be, being targeted um i know it's got to be very very stressful new york city has a program called thrive and the mayor has uh, claimed that he's put a lot of resources into this. Do you have a pen? And I can give you the number. Otherwise, I can put you on hold. And then Marilyn, who's working our phones, can uh, can give you the number off the air. I'm ready. You have a pen right I'm there. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. So you're gonna go. You're gonna do one eight 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 N Y C Well W E L L. So in in numbers it's it's eight 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 six nine two nine three five five. And you need when you call when you call you need to tell them that you have coronavirus related anxiety issues or depression issues. Right. And make sure you put coronavirus in there because you know this all these city agencies are getting uh they're getting swamped with phone calls from people, but if you say coronavirus, you will be there's a, a faster track for them to handle, you know, hand, handle your issues. And they they're they're saying that they are making counseling available free of charge to people. And oh, wow. uh, so I'm gonna so I would try that one eight 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 six nine. I got it. Okay. I got one more one more thing before you. Um, oh yeah. No. Okay, real quick. Son went to Georgia State University. We from New York. Um, moved down here. He played basketball. He lived in an apartment off campus, um, right not too far from the school. Um, the security guard um, said, "Sometimes do we, do we um, um, does he live here? Because it's really expensive, and you know, to whatever." And he looked down like, "I've been here for like a month. You don't, think, you know, think I live here?" Long story short, he called the police, and my son was in a chokehold because he'd been talking about it more, and I feel so bad that um, I didn't continue to follow up with it. But he said, Ma, I know how that felt. He said, remember at school when the cops had me in the chokehold and we seen the video, he said he felt he was really dying and strong. Oh, my so gosh. He, lasted, you know, he was out. He, when he let him go, he was on the floor, but thank God he didn't die. And he, he was like, Ma, and he hasn't been the same since. And um, I, Mil- I really Milson, like Milson, Milson, I, 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 ha- I hate to... Uh... I, ha- I hate to cut. I hate to cut you off. Um, we are out. Of, we are out of time on the air. Are you looking for legal help for him, or you're looking for m- maybe start yes. with mental yes. health? Legal. Legal help. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. I, okay. That I can. That I can't give you an answer on, but um, you might. You might want to look at attorneys that have handled other cases. And we have. We have to get off the air right now to get ready for the next show. So I'm running out of time. But um, please give that. Please give that eight eight eight. NYC well number a call and, yes. then, and call us back if you don't get any uh, any help with that okay but but stay strong as you are and um, it's 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 strong people who know when to ask for help and I hope you get the help that you need to help you through this so thank you very much Dr. Manny thank you very much for being with us again we appreciate it thanks for having me Lisa thank you also thank you to attorney Philip Hamilton as well as our hot 97 team Anaya Marilyn Juliana DJ Mike Medium and Jack the Mac on the boards here digital editor Louis Mercado our senior VP 
P.O. Farrow, thank you all for making this episode of Street Soldiers possible. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.